one. Welcome back to the Ojogu Bonito podcast with your host, Jay Carant. Welcome back, Mr. Ferguson. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, actually. I'm doing all right. Um, what a week we've had in football. What a week indeed. Yeah, we've had a, a lot of a lot of football going on. Of course, it's the, the beginnings of the, the big one, the European semi-finals. First legs were were tasty, but the next legs are going to be the deciding factor. And as I think Mourinho said, when an interviewer said congratulations, he said, I don't accept your congratulations because it's only half time in the leg. Yeah, I mean, you you can never really, you can never say that you've you've won a tie after the first leg. Unless it, it's you've won it comprehensively. I mean, by even a, then, you know, there's, you can say it's likely, but we've seen, you know, that famous PSG Real Madrid two legger, for example, or was it PSG Barcelona? The yes, the, the, the remontada four nil overturning the Barcelona Liverpool as well. Yeah, um, the famous corner taken quickly incident as well. Mm. So football has posed us with many surprises, but none more so than this weekend in football where Chelsea have won a game. Chelsea, I know it's uh, it, it happened. Maybe it was the uh, maybe this is what happens when you invite a Chelsea fan onto the podcast. Maybe we have more say in the world than we actually think we do. Exactly. Um, I mean, obviously, when we get into predictions towards the end, we recognise that we were the only our Chelsea fan Hugo was the only one to predict them for a win. A win. Um, but. I want to get into a quick segment since the transfer window is going to be opening very, very soon. Into what we call rumor rating, where we rate a rumor based on two categories. One, how good is it for the fit? How good is the player as a fit for the club? And two, we rate the feasibility. So we're just going to open a couple of... Yeah, very often those are two incredibly different uh, metrics that you're judging things by because you know, any club in the world can say, I think we'd do, you know, Fulham, for example, to pluck an example out of thin air, will say, I think we'd do really well if we signed Victor Osman over the summer transfer window. Uh, and it, it's less likely than perhaps some of the other targets he's been linked with. Exactly. And... Let's let's take a few good sources there. We'll take we'll take the BBC's well what if I didn't accidentally delete it, we'll take their daily transfer gossip. Um might take the Athletic and Ornstein on Monday. It's Friday, I know, but Yeah, and transfer rumours can move really quickly. They can move quickly. Especially at this time of year. Or in Man United's case, very, very slowly. Well, the rumours will still move quickly. But the, yeah, the actual transfer sagas will still take months and months and months on end. Like everyone thought that the the Casemiro signing over the summer was a a knee-jerk reaction to the the Brentford loss. Hmm. Um, When, in fact, they've been planning it since about May or something like that. He was on the list. For a while, yeah, it was on the list for ages because they were still trying to get Frankie De Jong at that point, which has been going on for time immemorial. It feels like that's correct. Um, and I'm just looking at some of the done deals 
already because obviously you got Jean Pedro from Watford to, mm-hmm. to Brighton. Um, but I would say that this summer transfer window is going to be a big one. It it does feel that way, doesn't it? It you does. Know, you've got, and I think it's because the. Um, and we're the, gonna have some from Bing as well. Oh, Bing! We love you, Bing. Or Edge, actually, Edge, Bing, same thing, really. Uh, but, uh, no, it it does. There's. It feels like a lot of clubs need a lot of the same positions, and in particular, it feels like a lot of clubs need a, a number nine. Number nine, yes, and I think there's a dearth of elite left backs mm. and keepers as well. It it looks like there's a few people. There's uh, there was rumours going around yesterday that Emmy Martinez might be moving on from Aston Villa. I would I would take him. I think he's a very very good goalkeeper. Um, and simply put, his personality can. Uh, can really be a decisive factor. Yeah, and it's uh, it's also worth mentioning he is he is a very very good keeper, and there are simply not that many of them who will be available. Exactly. You know, Mike Mike Mignon, it looks like he's going to sign a new contract over at Milan uh, after they've just tied down Rafa Leao for did they add another three years onto his contract? I believe so. Uh, so it's yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be a real scramble, I think, to to get all of these, um, to get all of these signings done, and I think there's going to be some really, really big money moves because of it. Hmm. We've also seen this week Ole Gunnar Solskjaer backing Michael Carrick to be a Man United manager in the future, which I don't think is particularly helpful. It's it's not helpful for Carrick's sake, but there were. There was a, a stat going round that all of the members of uh, of the coaching staff from I think it might have been from the social show from the Moyes era um, were all lead all leading the league in their in their respective divisions because we had Carrick uh, who was leading who was he wasn't leading the league but he was getting promoted and then Kieran McKenna was getting promoted as well with I forgot Martin coaching. Pert. Yeah, Martin Pertz, yeah, there's which I think is it, it sheds an interesting bit of light onto what the issues were at that point. You know, clearly the quality of coaching was was decent, uh, or at least it is now, and the, the coaches had the ability. There wasn't either a cohesive plan or faith that they would be allowed to showcase their works properly. So let's get into it. Um first part. Um, well, there's rumours that Thiago Silva wants to go back to Fluminense. Um, how feasible is this? Um, it's from a Brazilian outlet. Um, hmm. It's uh, it doesn't strike me as particularly feasible. It, it I won't say it's impossible, but I think it's worth pointing out that Thiago Silva, even if he does want to go back, will probably still command a lot of. Wage bill. Let's rate it out of twenty. Ten for out of ten for feasibility and out of ten for fit. A Fluminense. Um, oh, I was gonna say he has some familiar teammates, but he doesn't um, because they're at Flamengo. Apologies to our Brazilian Serie A viewers there. Um, I would say feasibility. I'm actually gonna go six on ten. Uh, I think it could happen. 
Um, Fit-wise, uh, I'm actually not going to give a rating on that one because I simply don't know. I don't have enough knowledge. But if I would say, I would probably go for another... I'll go for a 7 out of 10. I'm I'm personally not convinced by the, by the fit on that one. Um, I think we're seeing... Thiago Silva in sort of in his best role at the moment, which is at the centre of a tight defensive unit as a as a leader, not necessarily as the person who makes all the plays, but as the person who marshals the defence, who passes on their experience and their leadership qualities. And I think I think he can do that better in a squad where he is already somewhat fitted in. Um, so I'm I'm not terribly committed he's still a very good central defender don't get me wrong but I think I'd only give it a five for fit and I think I'd only give it a four for feasibility mm. I mean just having a quick look at their squad they've got the likes of Felipe Melo formerly of uh, Galatasaray Inter I believe um, Ganzo formerly of Sevilla and famous for coming through at Santos with Neymar um Alan, who is uh, a Brazilian player who went to China and got naturalised as a Chinese citizen, whose name is Alan, funnily enough, in Chinese, and he represents the Chinese national team. Um, I remember the days when he was a, he was a, a FIFA Ultimate Team favourite, part of one of those really powerful Napoli squads back in the day. Was he a Napoli player? I think he was Napoli. I think, I think I've got that right. Nope, never played outside Brazil. Really? Uh, well, he's played for, he played for Salzburg for about five years, and then, and then that was oh, maybe really I'm it. getting him mixed up with someone else. Then he's getting mixed up with Alan. Oh, I must be yes. A double yeah. A A N. Uh, I mean, I'm just looking at any other players. I know don't really know any Fluminense players, but that's our first rumor there, and we stick with the mirror. Uh, João Cancelo to Arsenal. Why? Uh, better right back, left back option. I, mm, uh, I think he'd uh, be an upgrade on Ben White for sure, which which allow I'm not sure Arsenal upgrade, to have. I'm not sure he's the upgrade you want though. Well, I think he can do the inverted fullback job, um, which would allow Arsenal to to dominate the ball. Yes, and that, would, that would also allow Ben White to play instead of Rob Holding it, as a backup. And you want you you'd rather have Ben White playing in centre in centre half than Rob Holding. He's certainly better in that Arsenal system, but I'm not. I, feasibility, I think, is actually slightly higher on this one, especially because we've seen Arteta taking players he's formerly coached with Guardiola, uh, who are somewhat familiar with the style of system at least that Arteta will want to play, but. Cancelo has, it seems, been ostracised now at City and at Bayern Munich, where he's only been there on loan for half a season. I I think that raises questions about his character, and then a side that will either win or just fall short of the Premier League this season. I don't think you want to be adding a a character like that who can disrupt your dressing room harmony. And it does have to be said that he spent one season on, on, I think, a couple of years on loan at Inter, then one at Juventus, and then obviously that famous swap deal with Danilo. Um, 
Feasibility, I'm going to give it a seven. Seven and a half, because I, I can really see it happening. I'd say it's a good fit as well. I'm going to go for a seven. I think it gives them a better left-back option, whilst also bolstering the right-back and giving them an attacking verve down that side in combination with Bukayo Saka that would make Arsenal's attack more unpredictable and therefore give them better supply in midfield, maybe even give them, give them a backup Bukayo Saka option if they need it. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I'll give it a six for feasibility, but I'll, I'll, I'll give it a, a five for fit. The only reason I'm giving that a, a higher rating is that he is undeniably an upgrade on their on their options but i i really do think if you're bringing him in to to play essentially as a as a backup almost in the in the same way that Diogo Dello is playing at Manchester United where he's playing as a backup for both wings i i i wouldn't think he'd be happy in that position so I, I, I would worry about the the longevity of, of that potential deal. I'd be inclined to agree. I think that possibly Arsenal's dressing room would enable Cancelo to f- embed in much quicker and he'd be guaranteed game time, in my opinion. So I think for me as a, as a football purist, I think it's a, it's a no, real no-brainer in that sense. Um... I think that I mean I'll bang on about Premier League proven but I do think he's he'd be a very very good signing yeah it makes and it does make a difference Premier League proven because it is such a a different league you know like we've seen with Casemiro lately who's come back from injury and just not been able to get back to the pace of the league for a little bit also to do with suspensions but as well yeah. which were unfair although try telling Erling Haaland about being Premier League proven oh very true yeah um, and by the way, I was I was saying to you, JK, off air that I didn't get a chance to watch the um, uh, the European midweek fixtures, but I did read this morning that apparently the referee for the Real Madrid Man City game got an excellent rating from UEFA for his performance. Um, I he, he was a bit questionable. I was watching the game. Uh, few decisions were. I mean slightly questionable but overall he did a From decent job what I've job. seen he was too lenient for both teams is is what I've is what I've seen online um again I have an anti man city bias so I can't really speak <laughs> on that um but Haaland was really well marshaled by Rudiger and Alaba um yeah, the issue of course is that you can marshal Haaland all you want but city have so many other players that can hurt you true and they found that out through KDB well I would say that I mean if we look at the, as I get rid of this tab, um, if we actually see that City goal, if Madrid, let's say, if that's Casemiro there instead of, um, he's a third central midfielder that day, Valverde. If it's Casemiro there, that goal doesn't go in because he, someone makes a sliding last ditch block and they block De Bruyne's shot. Yeah, I mean, and that's and Casemiro's positioning is good in that sense. You know, he. He is generally in the position that he doesn't even need to make the sliding block. He'll 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 prevent the pass from have having gone there in the first place because of his positioning, which would make him likely to intercept or block it. I mean, anybody just goes in with a sliding challenge, that goal doesn't really go in. Um and just puts their body on the line. But then again, who wants to be 
putting their body on the line for a Kevin De Bruyne rocket at the end of the oh, day. Yeah. I mean, Vinicius Jr.'s goal was was a rocket as well. Good, mm. Great play from Alaba and Kamavinga down Madrid's left to get past Bernardo Silva. And uh, Kamavinga had a really, really good game. I would, I would say apart from a couple of touch, times where his touch was a bit off towards the last knockings of the game, mm. Kamavinga was really, really good. Um as a as a left back, which he's he's not a left back, he's a central midfielder. Then again showing my Conor Gallagher right back solution. I'm pushing it until until someone does it. Um yeah, that's that's that. Next rumour, Messi to Al Hilal. And then we'll go Messi to Barcelona. Well I I was completely not on board with this until Sergio Busquets announced he was leaving Barcelona. And according to this Al-Hilal rumour, they are going to assemble some of the old Barcelona squad to play with Messi again. Messi, Busquets was one of the names mentioned. Um, Jordi Alba. Jordi Alba was in there, yeah. Uh, and I, and I, I saw Busquets leaving Barcelona and I suddenly thought, Oh, maybe there's more to this than than I actually gave credit for. Um, I mean, I suppose technically it's a good fit because he's Lionel Messi. Well, you got to give it a ten <laughs> on ten for fit. I mean, it's Messi at the end of the day. Yeah, you you kind of can't say I'm not sure he I'm not sure he'd play very well there because he probably will. Now, even after a slow start at PSG, he's he makes things tick there, but. And I guess it's a good feasibility as well. I go well. six and a half for feasibility. I, I, I think there's a stronger chance he goes back to Barcelona. But no, if he if he wants a bit more money, then they got to pull a few economic levers again. Oh, uh, they always seem to have them, so I wouldn't count that out. Um, um but I mean, the yeah, yeah. I, I think that you know we've seen that he's willing to take a move for money, like he, as he has done with PSG, um, and. It's a good move for him in terms of his image as well. Um, oh, Given Barcelona that is a good move, but he gets to play against Cristiano Ronaldo again, you know, and and that makes a massive difference. It makes a difference to both of them in terms of their marketability. It does, and be sure that you have quite a few people going to the Al Nasser Al Halal games, and the ticket price of that ga- that game will both those games are going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Busquets to Alalau. I mean, it's again ten on ten. He's a wonderful player. Six and a half. I, I'd go again. And, he, and he, I think he'd probably fit quite well in in that Saudi league at the moment because um, you know, he's never been a player blessed with pace. particular pace. Um, he's reasonably physical, but his his talents are in anticipating the play and in his positioning and in his passing range, um, and and that that is really something that I. I haven't seen players who go to the Saudi league. That's not what they're normally renowned for. They are signing, you know, these pressing forwards or they're signing these well, you know, failed superstars, not failed superstars, but these the superstars who, who've, who they've signed for 500 grand a week from somewhere like, like an Oscar, for example. Um, so if you look at Al Halal's squad, they've got son Odi Nigala who could be yeah. playing with Messi. Um, Andre Andre Carillo, because of course that was the the big swap deal talk that was going on over the uh, when Ronaldo announced his intention to leave Manchester United. 
Yeah, I think I think that was like sorry, that might have been um a booba car. Oh, it was a booba car, wasn't it? Yes. Um they obviously have Mateus Pereira, used to be at West mm-hmm. Brom, who's now well, he's playing in the UAE, actually, on loan from Al Halal. Um you got Jang Hyun Su, the left back who was uh the South Korean left back at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. If you remember him. Luciano Vieto, remember him? He used to play for Fulham and Vieto. Villarreal. Oh, yes, vaguely I remember him. Um, Musa Morega from uh, uh, Porter. You have Salam Al Dasari, remember him? The I'm guy who sorry, scored the that World does Cup. Does sound familiar, yeah. Uh, curling strike, Emmy Martinez, no chance. So Messi could be playing with the Saudi Messi. He could. Um, and actually, fit-wise, he'd be obviously playing in that number 10 space. Mm. Could have Andre well, he'd, Korea he'd, to he'd his right. He'd be playing as a roaming playmaker, I think. Um, in behind anyone of Morega or Odin Agala, and they're probably licking their lips at this. Mm. Um, especially with uh, Al the On paper, I'd say they're the best team in the league. Obviously, Al Itihad under Nuno Espiritu Santo are... Are leading the league, but Al Halal for me on paper have the best squad, especially in terms of depth. And if, if they sign Busquets and Messi, then that's uh, and Jordi Alba and Jordi Alba, um, then that's that's quite a step forward in terms of that squad, I would say. Although you know, Busquets aging legs, I mean, all of them slightly aging legs, well, but then again, Busquets in particular, Luis Gustavo's playing in the league at sort of 37 38, so. yeah. Forms temporary, class is permanent. Um, Nicolo Barella to Inter, uh, to no, he's at Inter to Liverpool, and then Man United as well. Barella is is someone who I've always rated, um, and I and I do think he's to say he's due a move. I think is a little unfair to Inter, um, who are a good team who are doing well, especially after their exploits in midweek against Milan. But I every time I see him linked to a club, I think, is he actually a good fit there? He's kind of a jack-of-all-trades in my mind. He does a little bit of everything, but I'm not sure he actually does anything well enough to be elite on that level. Well, let's actually check that, because I think he's a good ball progressor from what I know. Yeah, he is. A, he's a good ball progressor. He's, he's okay at, at disrupting play. He's... Fairly creative. So, in terms of... So, he's very much an attacking central midfielder. Um, as we can see. Uh, and his stats on FB ref. He is the 91st percent... First... First? First percentile. Can't speak English today. Um, for non-penalty goals. 80th percent, 81st percentile for non-penalty XG. And... It's his passing and carrying which makes him mm. who he is. I do. You, do you remember what what's happening with Thiago at Liverpool over the summer? Mm. I get the feeling there was something about him going back to Barcelona. Yeah, there was something a rumor about Thiago. I think if there is a if Thiago does leave, I think Barea would kind of fill that Thiago role of. Uh, squad midfielder not necessarily starting midfielder 
uh, unless they want to move someone on. I'm not sure who they I want mean, to I, move I, on. I mean, I'd say he gets in, in their starting 11 easily. He walks in there. Hell, he struts in there. Um, he's he's a wonderful player, and uh, but I I see a lot linked. of similarities between him and Thiago. I think he's more athletic on than the, Thiago. On the eye test, yeah, I mean, probably he is, yeah. And I'm I'm basing all of my opinions here off the eye test. I don't have any stats or anything to back me up, but I, he, I I get the feeling that he would struggle in the same way that Thiago struggled when he first got to Liverpool, and even the way he still struggles sometimes now. I think the athleticism keeps him from struggling. And I think his on-the-ball ability um, is akin to someone like Frankie de Jong or even Luka Modric. I mean, I looked at, if, as we looked at his FBRF report, one of the f- top five similar players was Luka Modric st- statistically. Um, so that would be a really, really good fit, in my opinion. In terms of feasibility, what are you giving it? Considering it's a... His price tag is about seventy million euros. Yeah, it's it's a big price tag that, uh, and I'm not convinced. But I do think it's reasonably feasible. Uh, like I said, it's been on my mind for a while that he will probably move to a, a quote unquote bigger club. So I think I'm going to give this a I'm going to give this a seven for Liverpool. I'm not so sure for Manchester United. I'm going to give that a six. I would say he fits in really well at Man United in terms of. A a ball carrier from deep, especially as Bruno Fernandes will progress the ball through his passing. And Barella could do it through his dribbling and his passing is pretty sound as well. And obviously the perennial Frankie de Jong rumours, which are again going to get tiring mm-hmm. in the summer, no doubt, because um, he won't want to leave yet again. Um will eventually lead United to pursue alternatives. I think Barella would be a really good alternative. So Liverpool-wise, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go seven. Fit, I'm going to go seven as well. For United, I'm going to go six and a half, and I think Fit would be an eight, in my opinion. Um, Next up, two Man United, and this is a player Mr Jennings has been mentioning to me a lot. Taylor Booth. Now, Mr Jennings has been saying that United are looking at Taylor Booth a lot recently. Place for Utrecht and Ten Hag used to coach Utrecht. So I think we had a look at his FP ref report in an earlier episode. And I would say that in terms of feasibility, I'll go for a five. Taylor Booth. 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 Um I'm I'm actually having to refresh myself on it on him at the moment. Um so I'm trying to. Oh, he's from the Real Salt Lake Academy. They seem to have done. They seem to be doing quite well, actually. I. I seem to be seeing that name popping up more and more. Yes, yeah, so statistically, he's as a midfielder. His stats are pretty good. His passing is not good at all, actually. And his number one similar player is Tahith Chong. Mm, okay, well that's... Alarm bells, alarm bells. Yeah, that's that's not what you want to hear as a Manchester United fan. But then again, he's not from a top five league. No, that's true. He's only played, he's played under 1,500 minutes. Which does, again, raise, it's a red flag. I mean, if we look at Tahith Chong, I think Tahith Chong has been playing in central midfield recently for 
for Birmingham. Mm. He did. He he. I mean, he won goal of the season for Birmingham. I saw. Um, but yeah, enough about the the former Man United player there. Um, feasibility. I haven't really seen much of him, so I'm gonna go for another five. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 looking through a few. Well, I'm trying to look through a few stats at the moment. Uh, I'm admittedly not as proficient in the use of uh, of stat websites as you are, J.K. Um, Fbref.com. Just just go in there and uh, <laughs> type type the name up. Um, as I pull them up myself now. Uh, so strengths in. Uh, Passes attempted, not necessarily pass completion. If you go for midfielders, if you click on the midfielders tab because he's been playing sort of attacking. Yeah. Um, so his stats for a midfielder are much better than his stats for an attacker. Yeah, they are actually significantly better because you suddenly jump from you know, a, a couple of stats in the 70th percentile upwards. To progressive to, guys in the 98th percentile. Yeah, he's, he's suddenly 80s plus in a lot of the important stats against midfielders. Um, he does lack the progressive passing element to his game yeah severely it's good yeah good take-ons good carries good progressive passes received um so it shows you make he's making the runs yeah he, and and good expected uh is that assists expected assists yeah um it's it would be a gamble if he's a cheap signing then i don't necessarily hate it and ultimately, I think Manchester United do have to start signing like that. They have to start taking gambles on players because otherwise they're going to get completely priced out of the market every single time they go in for someone. But he needs to be as part of... I mean, United probably need three midfielders, for being honest. Um, and he could be part of that th- as that third or second midfielder who's a backup to the first ball progressor. I'd say I, United I need a backup. get away with two. I'd say you need... First of all, you need a backup to Casemiro. Yes. Then you also need someone who can progress, an elite ball progressor. Then I would say you can get a younger ball progressor. Someone like Mateo Kovacic, and then if you bring in Taylor Booth. I think ultimately the priority for United should be an, an upgrade on Ericsson. Yes, and I that's, that's the, the ball priority progression. of the three, Yeah, which is the ball progression signing. And then I think after that, you're looking at... Uh, Maybe a backup for that uh, because I would rather have Ericsson as a backup to Bruno Fernandes. At least you've got Ericsson then as a, as a backup to both of them. True, and and I I would then for that reason prioritize a backup to Casemiro. So I mean, Ro- Romeo Lavia has to be that backup in my opinion. Too expensive for a backup. Too expensive. Forty million. Too expensive for a backup. I I'd say that's actually really really. I think for, uh, it might be good value for the player, but I think it's too expensive for someone who's not going to start most of the games. I mean, you could see him also in bigger games. You could see a, a midfield double pivot of yeah, Lavia and Casemiro. And Lavia's only 18. And 18, 19. And I mean, dare I say, you could even try him at centre-half as an option. Um, Possibly. I'd, I'd rather have Casemiro back there, to be honest. But anyway, that's, yeah. that's getting off track from Taylor Booth. It, uh, I'm not overly convinced by this but I think I've got 10 out of 20 so that's that's my take on it yeah it, um, I think I think the fit I can only give a 5 to so far 
because I, I I don't know him particularly well, but I think he's he's certainly not by the looks of things at the level that Manchester United need him to be. In terms of feasibility, I'm like I think I'm going to give this a four. Would we would have loved to have Mr. Jennings here to to argue his case? <laughs> yeah, but um, we'll ask him next time. Next is Jordan Pitchfork. Sorry, Pickford. Um, Pickford to United. Feasibility, I'm going to give this a two. I was going to give it a two Fit, as well. I'm going to give this a two as well. I think it's a horrible signing. I, uh, and Pickford at club level, he still does He still does work at international level, but at club level, um, yeah, I, I've never been convinced by him at all, really. Um, maybe I'm biased, maybe I'm sitting here with most into glasses or even just sitting here with a blindfold on but I, I don't I don't particularly rate him as a goalkeeper I think he's got these two short to be goalkeepers Hugo Lloris has also shown at Spurs I think you need a goalkeeper who's above 6 six four, six five, as Courtois has shown to at that top level because that obviously gives you a wider wingspan and mm. ability to make saves that other keepers cannot um, moving on to Mason Mount to Liverpool. Yeah, well, the rumours are that Mason Mount would be let go for the right price. Price. Of course, there is an added bonus to signing Mount, which is that he counts as a homegrown player. True. Um, which makes him much more valuable to any Premier League side that wants to sign him. Um, do I see him at Liverpool, though? We've got Liverpool slash Man United. I've seen the rumours of him at Manchester United. To be honest, I'm... I'm I'd go five and five for both. I'm not convinced I'm out as an elite level midfielder. I I know people like him. I know he gets good stats. He passes a lot of people's eye tests. But for me, I don't think he's ever quite been creative enough. I think he had one good season at Chelsea. I mean, one excellent season at Chelsea, don't get me wrong. And then I think he's... I, I'm just not quite sure he fits into a system. I think he kind of tries to play his own game a little bit. Well, I think he's a, a num- he should be a number eight by trade. Mm. Um, if you look at his statistics for a midfielder, again, his passing has not been great. His, his attacking stats are very, very good. 95% for shots. Over 80s for... All the attacking metrics, apart from non-penalty goals, he's underperforming his XG by 0.03. Similar players in the midfield include Bryce Mendes of Sociedad, Harvey Elliott, Nicola Barella, Kamada, Lovro Mayer. Um, yeah, I'm not convinced. I mean, obviously, 99% are for touches. In, so he's, he's more of a number 10 than, than what United need, which is a progressive from deep who mm. really enjoys that side. Yeah, I think I think you do need someone who is... And I'm also looking at that 40th percentile for passes attempted and 17th percentile for pass completion. And that's, that's not what you want to see for a midfielder. Exactly. You really don't want it. Even if he's got, you know, he's great at... Uh, attacking penalty area touches and progressive passes received I, uh, I'm i looking at that and I'm looking at 95th percentile for shots total 
and it gives me an impression that I'm not sure is the right fit. Uh, and I'm not really sure it's what Liverpool or Manchester United need, actually. Because I think the number number 10 role is significantly died out in football. Mm. I think... The num- I think you kind of Mason Mount to me wants to be like the attack, the attacking midfielder in a midfield Three. triangle. Yes, um, where he sort of roams around the penalty area. If he goes to Manchester United, he's going to be behind Bruno Fernandez. He cannot be there ahead of Bruno Fernandez. Um, if he goes to Liverpool, I I don't think he quite gels in that system, personally. Um, I don't know. I'd, he's fifty-first percentile for tackles. Um, you you'd want for Liverpool, you'd want someone with better pressing attributes. I think in that position. So uh, yeah, I, I I don't really see either of them to be honest. I, I I'd agree. Now, feet in terms of that's in terms of fit. In terms of feasibility, I actually think that it could end up happening. And the homegrown player quota is a huge part of that. I'd agree, actually. Um, the Bayern Munich rumours, do they make a lot of sense? Not really, considering Bayern could go for Florian Verts next year. Um, and I think Florian Verts is levels above Mason Mount, even with a... And, uh, what am I trying to say? Knee injury, which, a major mm. knee injury. I think Florian Verts... I actually think Bayern would do quite well to sign Nicola Brea. Yeah, that was, that's a really good shout. And I think as a Yozo Kimmich alternative or someone to play alongside him, mm. that would really help Bayern Munich out. Because they, they, the they play for control. Exactly. And there's rumours that Kimmich might go to Real Madrid in 2024. Which How I don't many see. midfielders do they want to sign at Madrid? They sort of stockpile the world's midfielders. They really do. That'll be, what, five of the well, world's best midfielders at that point if they sign Bellingham as well? Uh, depends if you glass Camavinga and Shua, or Shuameni is one of them. Fair. I, I, pro- I think I probably would at this point. Well, that would be eight. eight well, mod, depending Modric and Kroosko, oh, that would be yeah, six. I'm assuming, they've, I'm assuming they've left at this point. That would be six world-class midfielders. <laughs> for three positions. Um... Uh, next rumour is Mark Gehi from Palace to Arsenal or Man United. Yeah, he's getting a lot of love at the moment, isn't he? Um, I think he's 23, 24. Yeah, he's very, he's very young. He's, um, he's had a good stint at Palace now. Uh, and I think it's, it's understandable that he would be looking to move on. Uh, he's, he's actually 22. Yeah, 22 just. Uh, um, and as we look through here... Actually, his, his scouting report is not that good by the looks of things, which is interesting. Obviously, the scouting report actually is quite uh, attacking-oriented because a lot of it focuses on XG and XA and progressive passes. Uh, but even in the, the little defensive area here, he's 47, 44 and 46 for tackles, interceptions and blocks. And his best is clearances at 59th percentile. If we go into the complete scouting report uh, to try and break it down a little further um <laughs> amusingly he's in the 88th percentile for shots on target that's that's obviously within center backs but um possibly alluding to palace's uh threat from set pieces mm. uh he's got he's 
re- actually his passing when you break it down on the complete report is is more reasonable. Um, lots of sixty and seventieth percentiles of things. Uh, he he is still young. There's still room to grow, uh, but I'm I'm personally not convinced. He gets a lot of a lot of touches. He's 88th and 92nd for touches in defensive penalty and defensive third. Um, he commits 0.67 fouls in a game. Draws one foul every game, which is 89th percentile. Uh, he's 76th percentile for ball recoveries, which is 6.36 per game. It's a lot for a defender, I'd which say. is a, which is quite a lot, yeah. Um, but none of these stats particularly stand out to me, as this is someone who is going to be exceptional. There is absolutely a place, I think, for a steady centre back in modern football. Someone who you can just trust to go out and perform against a mid-table, lower-table team especially for someone like an Arsenal or Manchester United, but I don't think Gahey is... Especially for the price at £50 million. Yeah, especially um, for the price. I don't think he's that option. Speaking of players for the price, um, so if you just rate the feasibility for United and Arsenal on that one? Uh, um, I think a three for United and perhaps a four for Arsenal. Because, again, they are... They're probably looking for someone who can play over Rob Holding probably for the next season to come. Mm. Uh, I'm actually going to... Yeah, I'm not going to rate this one. I'm just going to leave it to you. Um, we'll go one player each. Uh, I'm trying to get something. Uh, let's go for Kim and Jay to Man United, Man City and Liverpool. It feels like a Liverpool signing to me. It, it just instinctually... Um, as I as I pull up his stats or try and pull up his stats. Um, yeah, his defensive num his numbers are elite. Yeah, they are, they really are good, and that's and that's even just in the um, yeah versus centre backs, obviously. But he's eighty ninth and upwards for progressive passes, carries, pass completion, and attempted passes. And importantly, for a centre back. Uh, wins three aerials every game, uh, which is uh, which is vital. Obviously, it's easier for defenders to win them, but that doesn't change the fact that you've still got to win them. And if we look at his passing, apart from five metrics, he's above the seventy fifth percentile in all of them, um, with a pass completion of ninety point one percent, which also I think is. Uh, is a system thing more than anything else. Mm, it probably is, yeah. That's uh, that's a very good point. Um, I'm just trying to understand. I can see that the uh, on FB ref that he's got a league rank of first. Um, I oh that's okay. That's just for the team, is it? That's fine. <laughs> I thought that was saying he was first in the league for something, and I was trying to work out what it was. Well, actually, he is first in the league for something, which is the percentage of dribblers tackled, which is eighty-seven point nine percent. And, and his challenge is lost. That's pretty. That'd be very good to have in the Premier League. We've seen how Aaron Wambisaka shuts down wingers, which can stifle whole attacks. You know, like in the, <laughs> excuse me, like uh, Alan San Maximan for Newcastle, particularly. Wambisaka's um, just completely stifled him, and that shuts down a lot of the threat that that Newcastle were posing at, at times. Um, so. Yeah, I think being able to 
take carriers out of the game is is really really useful in the Premier League. I I completely agree. And if we look at his player comparison, um, he's very he's a very athletic player, Kim Min Jai. Worth worth mentioning as well. This challenges lost point one per game. He loses one challenge every ten games. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's not obviously it's 99th percentile. That's an outrageous stat. His top five comparisons are Yerai from Athletic Club, Edmund Tapsoba, Christensen, Joe Gomez, and Jonathan Grady from Lens. And Lens under, um, forget their manager's name, Franck Lens. I've got I've got I've got lens. I want lens. Since uh, Franck is, we're going to get most likely getting Champions League football this season, which would be a really good achievement. But going back to to Minjai, he'd be a really really good player mm. for United, Liverpool, or Man City. I don't see him going to Manchester City. No, um, it doesn't. It doesn't quite strike me as a City signing that, does it? Because they because Guardiola needs that. Do Liverpool need a centre back? Is the question. I sorry, I don't. Th- I, I, I don't think Liverpool are actually in this. Let me double check. I may have made that. I, up. I think it would be a good signing for them, though. They've they've Liverpool have an issue where their centre backs seem to be prone to patchy form. No, no, I'm not making this up. Um, I'm gonna go six and a half on feasibility for Liverpool. Seven and a half a fit. United feasibility. I'm gonna go seven and a half. I think this is gonna happen. And fit. I'm gonna go eight. I uh, I'll go the other way. I think. I think it's more likely to happen at Liverpool than it is at Manchester United. And I think he'd be a better fit there as well. Um, I think Liverpool. He's got more chance of being a starting centre back as well. And I think that makes a Liverpool difference. Varane's injury prone nature. He he is injury prone. Yes, I won't deny that. But I think that. You wouldn't want to be banking on that if you transferred to a new club. You don't want to be banking on the fact that you could outperform their existing defenders. And I think he's got more chance of that at Liverpool. Could also give United more tactical flexibility if they ever do want to go to a three. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure they would ever go to a three though. Personally, hmm. I mean, you could also cover cover a right back for a more airily dominant option. Again, and I don't know if you come up with against. A left winger who just loves to win aerial duels. Just a random suggestion. You could play him there, but mm. it's a rogue shout. Um, then we've got our next rumour. Davide Fratesi to Brighton, reuniting with Roberto Di Zerbi. Uh, Fratesi, more of a box-to-box player, formerly of RS Roma. Uh, Fratesi. As I pull him up on FBRF now. That's the thing with these stats, you suddenly start getting addicted to them. Uh, as I, So he's he, he ranks very well against midfielders in carries, take-ons and uh, touches in the attacking penalty area, as well as quite well in clearances as well. Um, excellent in terms of non-penalty goals, XG and shots total. Um... Do Brighton need him? As a as an Alexis McAllister replacement. That's that's quite a good point, actually, of course, that 
there's a good chance that he'll move on. His defensive numbers leave much to be desired, but McAllister yeah. is not there for his defensive no, he's not. contribution. Um, and obviously, Deserby knows him well. I, I worry, I'm looking at his passes attempted, pass completion, and progressive passes, and those are not good numbers, and I would worry about that in a Brighton team. Um, you've already got an elite dribbler in... Um, uh, the name's escaped me. Matoma. Matoma, thank you. Um, I was I was so fixated on uh, Daichi Kamada because he's a similar player to Dabi Vitesi, apparently. Um, you've already got an elite dribbler in Matoma. I don't think you need to add another, otherwise your attack is going to, I think, not have the flexibility that it needs. Hmm. To to be able to break down a wider range of teams, so I I'm not massively convinced by uh, by this just from a from looking at the stats. Again, I haven't watched much of him this season, but I would say that it could be a very feasible option for them in terms of a central midfielder. There, uh, I'm gonna give this uh, six six and a half out of ten for both. Could see it happening. I think it'd be a decent fit. I think there's more chance of it happening than I think it would be a good fit. I'm going to say four for feasibility. I think three for fit. I'm I'm not convinced by this at all. That was our rumor rating segment completed for this week. Um, let's get into predictions. So, how did I do last week? Well, last week we had, of course, three contenders. We had yourself, myself, and our special guest Hugo. Uh, I can tell you that, JK, you got nine correct results out of our, I think that's 21 predicted. Ooh, that's not good. Uh, you got one correct score, which was the Juve Sevilla Europa League first leg at one all. So you brought your total for the week to 11. Um, I can tell you that I got also nine correct results. Uh, I got two correct scores. Uh, I got the Madrid City first leg. And amazingly, I got the Forest Southampton Goal <laughs> Fest at 4-3, um, bringing me to 13. Hugo, who you told me before we went on air, was an armchair fan, Has got he outperformed... 12 correct results and two correct scores. So he's outperformed both he's of us. He's outperformed both of us. He got Wolves beating Aston Villa 1-0 at home, and he got Roma uh, beating Leverkusen 1-0 at home. Um... I also he he technically made two predictions for Bournemouth Chelsea, but they were both correct result and not correct score, so he only mm. got one point for that. So, summer term totals thus far, uh, with Hugo's sixteen points, the rest of the world has pulled one point ahead of you now, making this a crucial week in predictions. Let's get to it. Um, we've got, and actually, we're going to have a rebuild segment next episode. Um. But this week, let's get into predictions. So, Premier League predictions, let's start off. Um, Leeds, Newcastle. We'll predict against Edge this... Well, we won't, actually. I don't want to predict against Edge. Um, Mr. Ferguson. Uh, For some reason, I actually... This feels like the surest fire Newcastle win there's ever been. Except I... I don't know. I'm actually going to predict a one-all here. I'm going to go 2-1. Uh, 
to Leeds. Leeds. They need to win. Yeah, and that's the thing. A lot of these matches, big te- big teams in the in the European running versus teams fighting for their Premier League survival. Now that they fight hard. They really, really Especially do. Especially on match day 36. Yeah. Next game, Villa against Spurs. I'm going to go for a 2-1. A well, no, I'm going to go 3-1 Villa. 2-1 Villa. Where are Villa at the moment in the league? Eighth. They've, they've gone eighth, have they? Okay, so... Just outside the European places. Yeah. Oh, and they've. I think they've played... Have they played a lot more, a lot fewer games than everyone? I think they've played more games than anyone else around yeah. them. Um, well, apart from Liverpool and Spurs, right? Um, I think right uh, between fifth and sort of eighth, Brighton are the iron pole position. Mm. To use a a racing terminology there, to use racing terminology, although their games in hand against Manchester City, yeah, Brighton have a, a fairly rough run in. I think although um, we've seen more upsets recently, yeah, we have. Uh, so. I'm actually going to predict for Villa Tottenham. I'm going to go nil nil. I think this could be a fairly rubbish game. <laughs> Palace against Bournemouth. Palace at home. Uh, I'm going to go four two. Four to two to Palace. Predicting goals flying in now. Mm. Um, I don't think it's a terrible shout, but I think that I'm going to take a, a, a scrap. Oh, and actually, I think Mateus Vinia from Bournemouth is going to get a goal contribution. It's being Banging them in recently. I think. Do you know what? I've I've just got a hunch this is going to be a one 0 away win. I've got Bournemouth. This is the most surefire thing in my opinion. Chelsea against Forest. <laughs> Forest worst away record in the league. I'm going to go two 0 Chelsea. Two 0 Chelsea. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a terrible prediction. I know we rag on Chelsea quite a lot in this podcast, but it's Forest, Forest. Forest this away. Is their, this is their sh- most surefire fixture. Yeah, uh, this week. I think 2-0 is an excellent prediction. I'm going to take 1-0 just because I have I want to take something different. What's he checking? Uh just checking something. Um Southampton Fulham. Southampton at home, Fulham who are currently 10th, I think so. 11th, somewhere around mid-table. Southampton Bang have to win this. They I mean they probably they are won't. already down. They won't. Uh, I'm gonna go for three-one Fulham victory. I, th- I I'm gonna. Uh, you've got three-one Fulham. I'm gonna go for a two-all draw. I think. I think Fulham are too good for them. I think Southampton do not have enough to bring it to a win. I think they'll they'll fight and it won't be enough. I'm gonna go for the United Wolves. I'll I'll let you go for United Wolves actually. United Wolves, Wolves, who are I think at this point all but safe. Yeah. Um, I think they might have a bit of a hangover from that. Uh, I'm going to go two-one Man United. I'll go two-nil Man United. Moving on to Sunday's fixtures: Brentford against West Ham in a London derby. Brentford at home. West Ham flying from their win over RZ Alkmaar. No, no. No, no, not a terrible prediction. I've I've actually got Brentford here. I think West Ham will be on a, a European hangover. Playing European games this late in the season is, is so tough on the body. Um, so I'll I'll take Brentford one 0 I don't think there's going to be many goals this week. To be honest, I I think that people will look at the 
the chaos that was, I think, the Monday fixtures, where mm. there were 21 goals in three games, and, and, and everyone will collectively try and tighten up their defences. I can see that happening. Alternatively, I can see more goals going in. Um, what are you going for Everton Man City? I'm going 4-0 City. Having said that there won't be as many goals, I think City are, are going to tear Everton to pieces. I'm actually going to go 2-1 Everton. Really? I can see Everton winning this one. Ooh, okay. That's a bold call. It's at Goodison. Um... How, how close to Everton to the drop at this point, then? Two points above the drop. You know, actually, I'll go I'll go 1-1. One, one. I'll go 1-1. One, one. Okay. I think a draw will be good enough. Um, Leicester do have a better goal difference. You know what, actually, I'm going to st- go back to my 2-1. Okay. It's my gut instinct. I'm going to 2-1 Everton. Um, next game, Arsenal-Brighton. Tricky fixture for both teams, really. Is that the Emirates, though? Yeah, it is at the Emirates. Um, I've just I've been saying for a long time that I thought Arsenal would lose that City game and go on to win the league, and now that it's happened, I'm not sure that they will. Hmm. I I think they're gonna stumble here. I think it's gonna be another two-two. I'm gonna go for a three-two Arsenal victory. Three-two Arsenal victory. Are you conjuring memories of that Arsenal Bournemouth match? Well, I that wasn't. In, on my mind I just think Arsenal are actually going to win the league um, I've been saying this for a while um, there's not much to separate them there's a point um, City do have a game in hand but that's their Brighton fixture which will be next week yeah. so is um, that Brighton fixture away? I think so I think it's away it's way at Brighton Oof. that's not a fixture you want to have in hand true Monday's fixture which is Leicester against Liverpool Liverpool resurgent and Leicester still faltering somewhat. Um, although, as I check what they did last week, what what did they do last week? They, oh, that's right, they lost five three to Fulham. Um, do we see anything but a Liverpool win? Uh, At the King Power, you know. Actually, I'm gonna go for a. a I'm gonna take a leaf out of your book and go three three. I'm gonna go three three. I'm. I've got Liverpool two one. I think. And we'll predict the Thursday next Thursday's fixture of Newcastle against Brighton. Brighton have to go to St James's Park. Yeah, uh, like I said, Brighton tough, tough running for them. Although I'm still going to go two 0 Newcastle. Two 0 Newcastle. Um, uh, I've got a. I think I'm going to take a one all here. Predicting a lot of draws. This it feels like I'm predicting a lot of draws anyway. I think so too, but let's move on over to the Bundesliga. We've got Union Berlin against Freiburg. This is a battle for Champions League football for that fourth place. Both on the same points. Freiburg a fifth on goal difference. Union Berlin at home. This is a hard one because whoever wins will actually go third if Leipzig don't win. I, I, I've got to go with home advantage here. Uh, I'm I'm gonna. I don't know if I'm jumping the queue or if I was gonna go first anyway. But I'm taking one nil Union Berlin. I'm gonna go two one Freiburg. Okay. Next game Dortmund Gladbach. Gladbach mid table. Dortmund at home. I don't see anything but sort of four one for Dortmund. Four one Dortmund. Um. Yeah, I, I feel like Dortmund. I, I don't think they'll do as much as they did 
earlier in the week when they won 6-0, but I think it's still a 2-0 win. Moving on to La Liga very quickly. Uh, No games of note there. Of course, we've still got our uh, midweek European second legs. True. Um, Thank you for reminding me of that one. Uh, Serie A, Inter Sassuolo uh, at the San Siro. Um, I'm going to go two new Inter. Um, I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a nil nil here. I think Inter will try and save legs for the second leg against Milan. Personally, I can see that that makes complete sense. Um, but now we have the tricky tie of predicting the second legs of the European games. Yes, Inter against Milan. Oy, 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 oy. I I think it would be really tough for Milan to turn this over. I personally think Milan have got the better squad. But, oh, I'm going to take... I think it's going to be 2-1 Milan. But Inter, but Inter, to, go Inter, Inter go through on aggregate. This is not where I put my neck on the line. I'm going to go... <laughs> Two one two. Actually, I'm gonna go two nil to Inter. Two nil to Inter. Okay, four nil overall. Uh, it depends to get get Rafael Leao fit. If they can't, then that's not happening. Real Madrid, Man City. <sighs> Feels like pulling numbers out of a hat for this game. I truly don't have a clue how this is gonna go. Oh, I know how this is gonna you go. Two one Real Madrid. Two one Real Madrid. That's... Actually, no, I'm gonna go three one Real Madrid. That's the thing. Anything. It really feels like anything could happen here. Um, City at home, fearsome. Madrid in the Champions League, immovable force, or unstoppable object, or whichever one you want it to be. Um, Are you going for Man City? Is this the year Man City put their Champions League? Who do? I still think to get through against Inter. I think Inter win the Champions League if City get through. Okay, okay. Four three City. I. It feels like chaos this game. Next, Sevilla against Juventus. Sevilla Juve. Yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, I think Sevilla of. Uh, they're Europa League merchants. Uh, I've gotten two 0 I'm gonna go two on Sevilla after extra time. If that makes a difference. Um, Leverkusen Roma. Leverkusen Roma. Roma taking an, a, a one goal advantage away to Leverkusen. I think they'll hold on. I think it'll be one all on the night. I'm gonna go two one Leverkusen. Leverkusen to lose on pens. 2-1 and Roma on pens, okay. Actually, now I'm going to revise it. I'm going to oh. go 2-0 um, Leverkusen. Oh, he's just completely changed his pick then. Yes. <laughs> and do we have time for the rebuild or... Uh, we'll leave the rebuild to next episode. Thank you very much for listening to Ojogo Bonito. Take care and uh, we'll see you next week where I'll probably be abroad. Have a good one, guys. Take care.